You're listening to Together by AGCI. I'm Dane Arnold. And I'm Melissa Rush. It's Women's History Month. At AGCI, we're so fortunate to work with so many incredible women who have dedicated their lives to serving children and families all around the world. We wanted to take a minute to chat with three of the women we work with who are changing lives on the ground in Guatemala, Ethiopia, and Colombia. Our first guest is Tita, founder and director of Vitas Plenas in Guatemala, which is an organization AGCI partners with to serve children and families in La Limonada, one of Guatemala City's poorest and most violent neighborhoods. I would love for you to just tell us a little bit about, you know, what makes you, you outside of the work that you do. Okay. Uh, what makes me be me is the life that I have lived, my experiences, and putting all of them, everything, in God's hands. And I'm, I'm, I am the result of what can God do with a shared, shared life. You know, I'm sure this is different for everybody, but from your perspective, what is the biggest challenge that um, girls and women, you know, face in your community? Mostly they are seen as something that they, the people use. And um, women are not valued and not much expected for, of them. But they are an amazing hard workers. They ha- they, some of them have a, an amazing leadership. So when you say there's a lack of opportunity, can you talk a little bit more about what that means? Like uh, what opportunities are available maybe to men, but not to women? Well, it's hard to, to tell in this community and specific community where we work at, we serve at, um, the lack of opportunities for both of them, mm-hmm. but specifically talking about women because the, the scholarship level is so low that they don't have the chance to work and have a good job. Mm-hmm. And also people from that community are not very welcome in other jobs. It's a red zone. So if you you give your address and you're from there, you're not going to get the job. Oh, wow. It, it's hard. It's hard for them. But it, it's amazing how much they fight to keep on going and face the life that they are having. Wow, that's kind of hard to... I'm sure that happens in lots of different places, but it just seems... I mean, how can you, you know, make progress or, or change your current circumstance if you uh, won't even be employed based on your address? That's extremely unfair. So can you talk a little bit about how you are kind of helping change that and empowering girls and women in your work for AGCI? In their childhood, when they are little children, uh, to preteen years, we teach them Bible values and they value in Christ when they go through the academies. That's our goal. And they are also teach there at the academies. We also teach them about sexuality 
from a healthy, godly perspective and how to preserve, prevent abuse. So they can have a voice, stand up and say no, and then tell a, a trusted adult about what they are going through to have a very good advice and to help them to be empowered to find a solution. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's such a important thing, right? To like, feel like you have a voice and you have, the people will listen, right? If you say, you know, this is happening to me or I don't want this, that people will take you seriously. Do Is that something that you see a lot that that's not the case that people don't take? Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you one example. There was a, this teenager and she was sexual abused by her cousin Mm. And the family were aware uh, about what happened. Mm -hmm. And they said, you don't say anything. Oh. What happened to the family is stay in the family. Oh. And um, you, you see a lot of places like that. But with the academies, we are giving a voice to the teenager or the kid. And they have a healthy Christian advices and um, and they are empowered and they can uh, be away from the abuser yeah it sounds like you know for families maybe that those kinds of situations are there's a lot of shame associated with that and it, it they're kind of told to just live with it and not you know, cause, make waves or cause problems, even though obviously if something like that happens to you, it's not your fault. You didn't do anything to cause it. Um, and so I, I think it's really great that you're, you're helping teach, uh, kids and young adults that, you know, they, they have a voice and they're valued and, um, they'll be believed and listened to. Yeah. And then that there is a God that cares a God that is inti have intimacy with you. Um, the, when they attend the program at the academies, um, they have access to psychology's attention when they need it and receive good, uh, godly advices, always centered in Christ. And we also work with their families, with the mother and grandmother, empower them, by giving them God, good godly advices on how they have to raise their children. And when they get to their teen years, we support them with their education so they can get secondary education. Because most of them, if they don't have financial support, will not with only finish elementary education locally. Because some of them not even that. But we are able to offer their opportunity to have secondary education through support them uh, and advocacy of organizations like AGCA and have partnered with us like other organizations too. So for kids who only, you know, are able to complete uh, their elementary school level education, like what are the options for them? What, 
what are the outcomes that you typically see if, if they're not able to, to get um, additional education? They just don't finish uh, the education and they don't have, like that is another thing that why they don't get a good job because they don't have, they have the address in a red zone and they don't have the education that they need. It's, and if, if you work in, in McDonald's and they know that you're studying, they, they will give you the job. Yeah, that's one of the options that they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so education is just so important, especially if, like you said, you're living in a red zone. Um, you, without that, you, your options are pretty limited. Very well, that just shows how important the work you're doing is. <laughs> yes, it is important. We are very thankful with uh, Axie uh, helping us. So can you, just specific to your own life, then tell me about some of the challenges that, that you have faced in your work? Well, um, almost 27 years ago, at the beginning, they asked me, They a lot of people asked me, why it was not a man who was in charge of the mission, but it was a woman. And I answered them, when there is a man who commits to do what I do, I can stand aside, but will not wait for a man to get up and to do what I know. It must be done now. I love that. (laughs) That's, yeah, you're you're doing... I mean, it's a hard, it's a hard path, right? It's not, it's not easy. No, it's not easy. And God is amazing and he surprised us. And I think he chose a woman. Mm-hmm. Like intentionally he chose me. No, it's not a, it's not an accident that you're in the place that you're in. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, the good thing is that I'm old and um, I can like, for example, the gang members, I can hug them as a grandmother and they will not um, think wrong about my hugs and my kisses and telling mm-hmm. them I love them. So there is a good part that I'm a woman. Yeah. So many people have told me, um, you're like my mom. How does that feel to be like, in a mother role, like in your work? Very responsible. Very responsible. (laughs) There is a lady that he had a horrible past that she told me, I cannot love you. I cannot tell you that I love you as a mother because for me, a mother, it's a bad experience. That's hard to hear. That was very hard to hear. I, I think we tend to think of of mothers as, as kind of like the most nurturing, you know, important primary relationship in your life. And it, it really is just difficult um, to imagine, I guess, having that relationship be so fractured that it's painful to associate. Well, I, I have to say, I mean, I think even if that is a difficult association for, for some people, 
um, having someone like you in their in their lives can maybe change their per- their perception of of what um, a mom can be. Um, and so I'm I'm glad that you're there for people and and helping um, you know provide some hope and healing. That's really amazing. Yeah, and you know I started the work just by myself mm-hmm. for so many years, but right now we are a team of almost 60 people and they all are doing the same. So we can reach out more women and mm-hmm. more people. And they are, the whole team, I'm so proud of them. They are doing an excellent job showing Jesus love and care. That's wonderful to hear. Is there, do you have a story of someone who, you know, you've seen kind of, maybe they started off in a, in a difficult place and you've seen them blossom with, with the support of your work and are, and they're doing well. I'm going to give you an example of someone that is working with us right now. We met probably 24, 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, she she had suffered a lot mm-hmm. and um we were studying the bible together and somehow our friendship became very strong and when us I, st- I started the academy uh in 2000 she told me mother what happened to me in my infants it's not going to happen to them. So I'm going to stand up next to you and I'm going to fight with you. Wow. And until up to here, she's part of the team and she's working. She's doing amazing work. Amazing. That's so amazing. I mean, that's got to be really rewarding to see someone who you worked with and had an impact on. And then she felt empowered to come alongside you and, and, and do that work in her own life. That's amazing. And she's very faithful to God. Mm-hmm. Very, very. She knows that what she does, she do it for God. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, so obviously you have, you know, helped so many people and changed so many lives. How have, in your own life, how have you, you know, felt empowered over the years? Well, I think has been both ways because they have teach me so many things mm. too. I have learned so many things from them and my own life has been changed because of them. But seeing God's support, how, how he has worked so many times, he left me perplexed. I feel committed to move on because I have seen his glory so many times Mm. and I have no excuse to not move on. I I love that you felt it's, it's kind of, um, they're not the only ones being affected by the work. Like you're impacted by it and it's changing your life too and teaching you lessons. I think that's really. Yeah. And what put me in this path, it was experiencing the changes God made in my own life. And that made me responsible to share the gospel with other people in need. Because what God did in my own life is what he wants to do in everyone's life. 
And I do not mean that they dedicate themselves solely to missions or to La Limonada or specific place. I mean interchange and serving in the context where they are. So can you share like what what is a change that you feel God has brought about in your own life? Well, um, I was in drugs. Mm -hmm. I left home when I was 17, run away from home. I became hippie and, you know, that's not a good life. And um, some at some point in my life, I prayed to God to help me. Mm -hmm. And he helped me to to be away from abusive marriage, mm-hmm. to be away from drugs, and to have a, a godly life, mm-hmm. good relationship with my kids and with my ex-husband too. Mm-hmm. And I have seen his miracles in my own life, his powers, his faith, faithfulness. He still changed me. He, he's still making changes me. Yeah. That's, thank you for sharing that. Um, it's just always kind of, everyone has their own kind of miracles, I think within their own life, you know, um, and it's important to, to stop and recognize them. And, and also just, I just love to know kind of your backstory and into how you came into this work. I think that that's important too. And so it sounds like you have some personal experience that you maybe can relate to to some of the people that you're working with in a way and you understand why um you know the the options that they have and and why they're on the path that they're on and also that there's hope to to get to get on a new one yeah thank you so much for sharing all of that i was so like lovely to get to hear your story and you're so inspiring and the work that you're doing is so important and um Yeah, it was really an honor to get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure too, Melissa. That was Tita from Vitas Planas in Guatemala. Let's head over to Ethiopia and get to know our next guest, Azeb, Program Director for the Child Advocacy Center in Ethiopia. Uh, Hello, Uh, my name is Azeb Brahanu from Ethiopia. I work for AGCI for over around uh, 13 years and uh, I have uh, uh, two kids um, and I live in Ethiopia, Addis Ababa, the capital city of Ethiopia. (laughs) What makes you, you? Like what makes you unique? What are the things that make you different from everybody else? (laughs) Yeah, this is a big question for me actually. Yeah, please, let's hear. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I think um, uh, uh, people told me that uh, I am a hard worker and I have uh, a talent of uh, the leadership. Uh, Yeah, that's my unique part, I think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And uh, I work, uh, yeah, as as I told you before, I work for over uh, 13 years uh, for AGCI um, and uh, yeah, most of the time I lead the uh, organization. I I cooperate to work with uh, doctors. I work for every part of AGCI. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When do you feel that 
you realize that you were a strong leader? When like did someone have to tell you you are a strong leader? Or did you just come to understand that and then just start doing it? Actually, uh, I am working with uh, a different part of uh, our uh, society uh, because of uh, my uh, job. Uh, so uh, people told me, like, Warada, uh, like, I don't know how do you call you in your country, but... Like a county, uh-huh. Yeah, one of the management office like that. You are the stronger, uh, the strongest uh, woman. They told me that. You are, I, most of the time I advise uh, pupils and also my uh, boss. Or you are the strong woman. He told me like this. <laughs> he told me that. Did you believe him? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I believe by myself. I Yes. <laughs> I think for for myself, sometimes when someone tells me something, it takes me a little bit of time to think, okay, that is true. Do you feel like you, like you just understood it right away? Like, yes, I know I'm a good leader. <laughs> you know what? Uh, this is not about the one person or two person. So many people, yeah, oh, as if you are a strong leader like this. Mm. People told me so many times. It's not about one person or two person. Even, even my previous boss also, you are the strong one. When, she, when we have something in our office, she sent it to me. Please uh, manage this one. Mm. She, told, she sent it to me for this thing. Uh, so I believe it. <laughs> do you do you think that it was empowering or important for you to hear other people tell you that you are a strong leader? Yeah, yeah, and I encouraging. I'm I'm encourage myself. And uh, my where is my good part and where is my uh, uh, weakness? And I want uh, develop my weakness uh, because people see like people tell me that I am the strong but I have so many weaknesses mm. so I want to develop that weakness what are some of those weaknesses that you feel like you needed to develop <laughs> uh, I need to develop my uh, the first one is my language mm. <laughs> but most of the time I don't have time to to go to school to learn uh, especially for English mm. uh, but I want to develop my uh, language. Okay. My very weakness is <laughs> my English language, yeah. <laughs> but that's not, that is not a weakness in who you are. I wouldn't call that a weakness. I would say that is something that you just need to, that is just where more education can help. But your, your English gets better every time that I talk with you. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, Azeb is, her English is so good. <laughs> Yeah, it seems, but uh, yeah, I need to have time for uh, this uh, topic, yeah? You know mm -hmm. what? Uh, I have time for my job, uh, for my family, and for something. And I need to give uh, time for this also. Mm -hmm. So let's talk for a minute about um, what the women and girls in Addis Ababa, in, in Ethiopia... Um, what is what are some of the biggest challenges that they have? Oh, uh, in our country, um, uh, like we are thinking, girls are like uh, financially depending the, to their husband, 
and they are thinking like they don't have uh, power, like something like this. So they they are depending on their husband and the the men. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, even in education, also uh, women uh, dominate by uh, men. Mm. So the biggest challenge is a financial crisis and they are not going to school, most of uh, in Ethiopia. It's not uh, in the city, uh, but in the remote area, in the rural area is uh, the most challenging is uh, the women not going to school. Mm. Even they are depending on the men. Uh, and... Uh, the most challenging is they are the arranging ma- marriage. Mm. Yeah, they forced by people because of the less uh, income, even by their family forced. She have to marry to the rich people, uh, the rich men. Mm. So it's the, the big challenge. And even they drop their uh, education to get in marriage. So this is uh, the big challenge. Yeah, so you're saying that the challenges are the the way that the culture is structured, there is a dependence on men for money and um, stability. And so they they have to leave their education to manage the home. Is that right? Yeah, this is what I want to say. Um, so, So in the work that you are doing right now, what are you doing to empower girls and women? You know what? Uh, I give them uh, hope. I give them like to challenge their life. Uh, most of the time, as you know, Diane, we are working uh, sponsorship. Now we are uh, sponsoring for over 500 children. Yeah. Mm. When I get them, I always tell, told them, don't drop their education and don't depend on the men. And if we are uh, educated, they can develop their, uh, by money or by uh, education, they can uh, stop by themselves. And yeah, I encourage them most of the time. What, um, do you feel like many girls and women um, understand that and they feel like, they are excited to receive their education or is that something that feels kind of different for them? They have to kind of think a little bit longer about that. Yeah, my gosh. There are so many people blessed me. Oh, you are right. You tell me this like this. We are changing our life like this. They told me. When you were uh, a little bit younger, people would speak to empower you. They said you are a leader you are strong. Do you feel that you are able to say those same things to other girls and women? Yeah, you know what? As I told you, um, all the time I I told to the community or the sponsor family and uh, one girl, oh, as if when I grow up, I want like you. (laughs) She told Mm. me like this. And I proud, like, I'm very happy. I told her. (laughs) Yeah. Were you able to tell her, like, yes, you can be like me. You are strong like that. Yes, yes, yes. You are so strong. Like, yeah, you can be even above me. I 
if she is strong, if she learning, if she is not dropping her uh, education, uh, even she could be above my status. Mm-hmm. What was her reaction? What? How did she feel when you told her that? Wow, she was very happy. She 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 is uh, around uh, twelve uh, years, and her reaction is very happy. And uh, I I read in her eye like, uh, oh yeah, I can do it like that. I I read mm. like this <laughs> on her eye. Yeah, that's so that's so great. It feels like you have taken some of. Uh, the positive, some of the the good things that people have told you, and now you are able to pass those on to other girls and women, and that that must feel very good for you. Yeah, very very good. Yeah, and when the girls, when they appreciate me, I'm thinking like, is that me? Mm. Oh, so I have to be ready for them. Mm-hmm. Like you know what? I don't want to be make a mistake in front of them. Because they're proud of me. You know what? They are younger. So I don't want to lead them in the wrong way. Mm. What are some of the challenges that you feel um, you have had to overcome to do the work that you do? I, I know that you have been told that you're a leader. Was there ever a time when someone told you that you cannot do what you are doing or that they were not encouraging? Sometimes uh, when I told them the right way, if they make a mistake or by their life even, I'm just uh, upsetting. Like, why don't you like this? If, uh, for example, in the sponsorship, we we sponsor two kids like that. Mm-hmm. And in the family, they have five or six uh, kids in one family. Even uh, you know Diane uh, about Ethiopia. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, they are uh, their home is very very unstandard. Like uh, they their bed is like in one room. Their yeah. kitchen, their living room, like that. And even they will do again becoming pregnant again. When I saw this, I, I'm gonna be upset. <laughs> so mm-hmm. and I told them, why don't do like this? I'm uh, telling them and. The Warada people told me, "This is it. This is not your business." But uh, people uh, don't want to advise about their uh, lifestyle. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, as always, I am very grateful to hear from you. I feel like your perspective is very valuable, and you are a strong leader. I know that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Diane. All thank right. Thank you. you. Bye. That was Azab. AGCI's Program Director for the Child Advocacy Center in Ethiopia. Our last guest, Aleha, is a clinical psychologist and therapeutic coordinator for Los Pasingos in Colombia. International Women's Day is in March, and so we were like, how can we celebrate that in a way that, you know, honors so many of the incredible, like, women that we get to work with around the world? And we, you know, talked to Tati, and we're like, who do you know that would be great? And she was like, Aleha is amazing. She makes me cry <laughs> when she told me. <laughs> oh, well, um, yeah, I'm just so excited to have you here and to learn more about you. So um, would you kind of just tell us a little bit about, you know, I, I know your work is is 
obviously a big part of what you do and who you are, but um, kind of what makes you, you outside of work? I have never really by my career defines me, especially since I have basically built my life on two professions, music and psychology. But Aleja is Aleja, no matter what she's doing. <laughs> I can share something that people tell me when I get off on stage, you have so much energy. I think that's who I am, no matter what I'm doing. I, I, I always give my all. We recently did an activity with the team of psychologists on our team, where we were challenged to describe ourselves in just one word. And I use the word intense. <laughs> now, this is a word that has two connotations and a lot of people might think it's a bad or a scary thing. But to me, it embodies the fact that I give my all to whatever I'm doing. And others can feel that energy and commitment from me. I love that. So, you know, obviously, um, I'm sure there's a lot of different, you know, things you could talk about with this, but just in your work, what's, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen, you know, girls and women in your community face? I think that the biggest challenge that women and girls face is inequality. We are in a world in which Whatever we like it or not, it's different to be a man than to be a woman. The experience is very different. In my community, a man who walks down the street alone might be afraid that someone jump, jump him or steal something from him. But a woman has a lot more to fear when she crosses the street. So much that she might decide that is not even safe enough to try to cross it. Inequality is normalized and it's an obstacle, an obstacle, yeah, to be able to change the belief that we are the weaker sex. And because of the cultural expectations, there are for us to be polite and gentle and not rude all the time. We lose the ability to listen to what our bodies are telling us. And uncomfortable situations become normalized for us. And we start to accept things that contradict our injuring value. It's like what they say about the putting a frog in water and starting to boil it. While the water starts to boiling, the frog is just gradually getting used to the temperature of his surroundings and never realizes it needs to jump out of the pot or it will burn. That's the same thing about the body, a woman or kid. We have learned to silence our internal messages and the focus has been placed instead of being useful to others and forgetting ourselves. In addition, when humans are living in, a, in an oppressive environment, the brain is on the defense. And this creates 
and maintains a cycle of reactivity for us. In our authentic identity, women are sensitive. We give life. We have the power of the creation that make us unique and different. That is why this, this is so important. It is important to recognize authenticity as something valuable. <laughs> wow, that is I that was beautiful just like the way I mean it's painful but it's beautiful the way that you talked about that and you made me think about things in a different way and and what I'm also realizing is you know we kind of have gone into this um this this podcast episode with like kind of wanting to highlight different experiences but that there are just some universal um truths to to what you're saying and um you know, it's unfortunate that that is, I don't know of a, of a part of the world where mm -hmm. that is not like women's experience. I think that, um, yeah, we're, we're kind of, um, put in a box and, and made to feel unsafe in a way that, um, we don't want to take risks, uh, which is, yeah. When we are on defense, we are, we're afraid to share our vulnerability. Vulnerability. Vulnerability, yeah. 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 Uh, and some of the most precious things that make us who we are is vulnerability. Because we're not always safe to do, to share, to show. <laughs> and it's so important when people who are created to be creators are false, are first instead be protecting themselves the community and the world loses their gear yeah yeah that's so true i mean i think that's another important thing that you talked about is that we're kind of almost told that our vulnerability is a weakness but it's a strength right yeah, yeah. it's a strength um and, and it's something to be celebrated. And that is something that I think a gift a lot of women have. And it sounds like it's you do for sure. And, and connect, connect the world. Yeah. Connect everybody. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have this vulnerability. And we don't have to, como diría, ocultarlo, Tati? Hide it. We don't have to hide it. Yeah. I just want to say Tati's voice just came on here. Tati uh, is helping Aleha out. She has so far not needed any help at all because her English is absolutely fantastic. But Tati is just standing by. So thanks, Tati. <laughs> I am very happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so can you tell us a little bit more about your, the work that you're doing with AGCI and, and how you are, you know, empowering girls and women in your work? Yeah, yeah. I believe uh, that I empower women and girls when I invite them to question their beliefs and what they think about their lives. For my work, creating and using a therapeutic model to help them overcome stories of violence. I believe that I'm using therapy that can 
open alternatives to how they believe that their lives can be. I break down expectations and deeply rooted belief. I open them up, question, and guide them to the opportunity to create a new story about themselves, a liberating story, a story with various possibilities. People need to know that they have options. I think, I think this is the, the most powerful idea of my work. It's what I, what I am too. <laughs> options are, are powerful. So when we give people options and the right to choose, we give them power. That's power. Yeah, that is beautiful <laughs> and so true, right? Because I think like what is kind of one of the scarier things in life is feeling like you don't have options. No options. Right? Mm. Yeah. So that's such important work that you're doing. Is that emotionally, is that challenging at times? Yeah. Very. Yeah. Um, but on the other side, it's so hopeful. <laughs> Yeah, it is hopeful that, I mean, I think that's what we all have to, there's so many, I mean, outside of your work, just, I think we all can relate to that feeling of like, if you let it get to you, life in general can feel overwhelming. Right. But when you hold on to that hope, that's what keeps us all going and makes us able to each day do hard work, ask hard questions. Yeah. And it's like a training to, to live that way not just work that way, sleep. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's so true. Oh man, Aleha, you are like seriously, there's so many things you've said already. I'm like, oh, I need to sit with that. I need to like absorb it and, and think about how that applies to my own life. I feel like you've really had some really beautiful just nuggets that I need to, yeah, oh. thank you. Um, thank you. So can you tell me a little bit about, you know, obstacles that you faced in this profession, like specifically as a woman or just, you know, challenges you've come up against? Yeah, as a woman, I face a lot of pressure to stay silent and not to share my opinion. But I'm someone who can help but express what they feel. Sometimes it's not well received in a culture where gender norms are and political correctness are often valued over what actually is the best interest of others, or in my case, what's in the best interest of children. When a woman like me dares to say something that challenges the status quo for the sake of what's right, she can be labeled as the bad one. I have also experienced pressure to confirm to certain expectations of how a woman should look. How a woman in a position, in a leadership like me, will look. 
but I like to dye my hair pink or blue or red or whatever color, whatever phone color. And I've seen how others in my culture perceive me to not be serious about my career because of my English. But honestly, I like challenging the status quo and forcing people to look past my stereotype and what they first think about me to see that I'm great at what I do. Maybe I've also upset that it's okay for me to be labeled as the weirdo. I'm, I'm so weird. <laughs> I upset that. And I'm so happy for that. And that's también, that's who I am too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I, I am so inspired by you just saying that you, you like to challenge the status quo and that you're willing to put yourself in that uncomfortable position because it not only, you know, lets you, you know, move forward in life and, and change things that, you don't think are right. It also sets an example for other girls and women to like see someone like you succeeding and in this, you know, incredible position and to be like, Hey, maybe I could do that. Um, and that's what we need, right? Because you can't be what you can't see. And so I just think having you out there, you know, being, I'm not going to be quiet. I'm not going to, I'm going to dye my hair whatever color I want to. I'm going to look how I want to. I'm going to act how I want to. And I'm going to change the world. And I just, we need more people like you. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like Dr. Karen Purvis says. I'm just so glad that you are doing this work and that you are just such a role model. Cause that's, I think that's going to change the future. That's amazing so how so obviously you are you're now doing this incredible work you are changing you know the lives of girls and women um in Colombia and around the world really how have you yourself been empowered like who who was who was your example well I think my mom not because she always she was always the perfect role model but because I have been able to learn a lot through her history. Sometimes things I will repeat, sometimes things I want to change. Also, my grandmother on my dad's side, because she's like the storyteller of my family. She was a, write, a, a writer and a teacher. Now when I think about my desire to connect and teach, I channel the legacy of my grandmother. I, I love that. And I love kind of how you are taking the pieces that serve you and learning from the ones that don't. I think that's just like a really good lesson in general, right? Like no one is perfect. Um, and we all have people in our lives that, um, you know, people are complicated and you have to, to learn from the pieces that um, you want to change and then also be inspired by the ones that you want to replicate in your own life. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. 
Yeah, we can do anything about the things happened in the past, but we can tell us a story about this. How have you seen empowerment in your own life? I grew up with fear, a lot of fear. But through play, I realized that I could find a way to cope with the pain. I was always one of those who invented stories, games, had friends over to play, and choreograph, dance with them. Ever since I was little, I felt that I have been a leader. I wanted to make others feel capable and to help guide them, perhaps because it was what I most wanted but didn't have. I don't have any memories of anyone checking that I was doing my homework or helping me complete tasks, but my mother always worked hard for me and my brother to have what we needed. From a very young age, I think I learned to confront and overcome obstacles by saying to myself, things don't have to be this way. Even now, I think that. <laughs> I decide that I was not going to repeat what I have been taught growing up, where mistakes were harshly punished, where what I did was never enough, where those who made the most money in my family sat down to it first. I decided that violence will not be part of my life, and I worked for that. I could not control what happened when I was little, but every step of the way, I gained more independence, resources, and desire to build my own life and future. It was only recently that I realized that music and psychology, which have been two, my two passions in life, are more related than ever. I discovered music at eight years old in my school. I was the lead in our choir, and I have to sing at mass in front of 500 people or more. I think that I began to feel that I had a voice, that I could express myself in that safe language, music language, and be here. However, I never started music. It was more of a hobby. I had grown up with music in my house because my father plays instruments. But when I arrived in Bogota to study my master's degree, I saw to have more income and I began to sing rock with local bands. And it started to go very well. I even recorded three songs of my own in a studio where Shakira recorded here in Bogota. <laughs> I came to think that my passion for music and psychology will conflict and I will eventually have to decide which to purse. I knew that music was my way of recharging, of receiving life, but psychology was my way of giving to the world, of giving back. I've recently come to understand that through music, I discovered my voice and that it could be heard. And as psychologist, now I am the one who listens and helps others to find and believe in their own voice. 
when I started my career, I didn't think I will work with children. But when I graduated, all my work led me to this population. I realized I had always worked with children, adolescents and families. So I decided to do my master in human systems care. I earned my degree and now my career is a way of living and understanding of speaking and expressing myself. I can help but believe that it's through caring for ourselves and caring for others that it's possible to change the world. I truly believe that. It's a mantra. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm really glad I got to hear that and, and kind of hear what led you to where you are now and that kind of internal struggle and then, you know, realizing that it's a balance, right? Like you, you can only, you can give back, but you also have to have that for yourself, right? You have to like fill your own cup up. Yeah. I think that is the only way. Yeah. Balance, balance to give and receive, mm -hmm. give and receive. Yeah. No, it's true. Cause other, I mean, if you don't, yeah, if you don't have that piece, it's, you're, you're going to get burnt out and you're not going to be able to give yeah. fully of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's self care mm -hmm. for caring others. Yeah. Yeah. They're linked totally. It's so, it's an honor to me be here and share my history, my, my experience my work, my life. <laughs> <laughs> and what I'm doing with so much love. Yes. Well, that comes through. It really does. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very clear just in the, you know, half an hour that I got to talk to you, just how passionate you are and how much, how the love that you have for your work and for people comes through really clearly. Thank you. <laughs> That was Aleja, a clinical psychologist serving children in Colombia. Thanks for listening to our conversations with incredible women around the world. Earlier this week, we celebrated International Women's Day. While there's officially just one day that recognizes the strength and resilience of women around the world, we see and celebrate these amazing women every day in our work. Thanks for listening to Together by AGCI. As always, if you liked what you heard, please rate or review us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to read or watch even more stories, check out our website, allgodschildren.org. We loved our time chatting with our in-country partners. We'd love to hear what you thought about the work that Tita, Aleha, and Azab are doing. Reach out to us and let us know what you think on Instagram at allgodschildreninternational or email us at together at allgodschildren.org. The next time you hear from us, we'll be celebrating the one-year anniversary of this podcast. We hope you'll join us for a look back at our first year of Together. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>